0: Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts.
1: And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode six of Living Electric. We've got a special guest on today's podcast, Brendan Kelly. He's the director of Drive Electric Ohio here in Ohio, aptly named. Uh, he's just bought a new Model Three, correct? So that's your new new EV for the family.
2: Yeah, we actually are picking it up on Monday evening. So awesome! In a few days. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that'll be my first EV. That's first right.
1: EV. Yeah. And he said, "You eventually want to get to a two-car EV family. So, what's what's the other car you drive right now?"
2: So right now we've got a, a Toyota Prius 2014. It's not a you know it's it's a non plug-in hybrid, yeah. um, and so you know like most people, I can't just afford to go out and buy a new car. Yeah. And uh, I started this role a little over three years ago, and had bought a car within the past year. And so um, while I uh, love EVs. I couldn't just go out and get one. So we actually took advantage of the opportunity of the pandemic to (laughs) go down to being a one car family. Um, Mm. you know, I was working from home. My wife was working from home. We weren't, I mean, we probably, somebody left the house in a car two days a week at most. Uh, and so we didn't need a second car. So we got rid of it. And then, um, you know, my, uh, my toddler is starting school. And, uh, you know, people are, you know, at least in our world, you know, in our bubble are largely vaccinated and masking and so we're comfortable sending her to school and so, uh, so I'm going to go back to the office So we need a second car and so um, we decided to go the electric route, um, because at this point, basically, everybody's next car should be electric.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the Definitely that's the sentiment that. <laughs> we've heard from a lot of people is that it's not either it's not for me right now and it's going to be my next car or I'm looking at one right now is kind of what we hear from a lot of people, which is which is really exciting. Uh, so do you want to give us kind of a brief overview of Drive Electric Ohio, your role with them and kind of what the work you guys are doing right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Drive Electric Ohio is a program of Clean Fuels Ohio, which is the organization. So Clean Fuels Ohio is a transportation-focused nonprofit. Um, Our mission, um, colloquially, is to help Ohio thrive both economically and environmentally through the deployment of cleaner, advanced alternative fuels vehicles. Um, And so Clean Fuels Ohio as an organization is fuel and technology inclusive, anything cleaner than petroleum. And that makes, you know, fuels other than electric um, make sense for other use cases, particularly medium and heavy-duty vehicles. But Um, With the advent of um, kind of mass availability of electric vehicles, um, we started the Drive Electric Ohio program. And so that is our comprehensive approach to accelerating electric vehicle adoption. Um, And so there are seven pillars to the Drive Electric Ohio initiative. Um, Let's see if I can remember them all (laughs) while I'm under the gun here. Um, So we have chapters of EV owners and enthusiasts that we support and mobilize and uh, partner with to do consumer education, and then they also do a lot of work um, reaching out to local actors in their community, whether those are uh, auto dealerships or potential um, businesses that they, the businesses that can potentially host workplace charging or public or consumer-facing charging, um, and, and they're a fantastic group of folks. And then, uh, and I, I, Alex, you're, the, you're a member of the Drive Electric Columbus chapter, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I try to go to as many meetings as I can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's appreciated. And then uh, we also do a lot of local state and federal policy work, um, because that has such a big impact on, uh, you know, on EVs uh, uh, of adoption and production. Um, and then we do a lot of work with auto dealerships and vehicle manufacturers. Um, we do work uh, with electric utilities and utility regulators because of the important they play uh, in this. Um, and then we do work around fleet electrification and charging infrastructure deployment. And then as its own standalone pillar, but also increasingly foundational to all the work that we do, um, we do work around equity and access and environmental justice. So I've been leading the program for a little over three years now. And um, I uh, um, my, my friends like to say that I somehow found the only non-slimy overlap between uh, car salesman and politician. Although working with a lot of auto dealers and having uh, a lot of my my professional backgrounds in government and politics, uh, I know a lot of fantastic folks in both uh, in both of those arenas. So the stereotypes are not all true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I love what I do. I love uh, the impact. Um, I uh I love getting people to put their foot down on the accelerator of an EV for the first time. <laughs> uh, there's a, one of my favorite noises in the world is what I call the EV whoop, which is the noisy <laughs> first time they feel the acceleration of of an EV. And uh, uh, so you know, and, and that's true from you know, just people who are, you know, potential consumers looking at the next car all the way to, you know, policymakers, I mean, we by creating opportunities for people to Feel the technology, get a get a personal visceral experience with the vehicles and see that, um, you know, all, all of their misconceptions disappear in about a second and a half. And we've seen, you know, like policymakers do complete 180s on pro EV policy um, because they took a test drive. That's mm-hmm. crazy. So, yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's just it, the technology is so compelling in and of itself that, yeah. Really, so much of what I do is figure out how do I get more people to experience it themselves,
1: mm-hmm. because then
2: it just sells itself. You exactly. know, they're, they're they're smoother, they're quieter, they're cooler, uh, they're yeah, at this point financially a better choice, um, you know, compared to it to an ice vehicle. They're cleaner. I mean, you know, I, I uh, my three year old, um, you know, I think that the really catastrophic you know, we're, we're going to see bad impacts of climate change. But the really catastrophic stuff is coming in like 2070. My three-year-old is going to be in her early fifties mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, that's not old. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, trying to leave a better world for, for her and for my 12 year old, um, and really you know, for, uh, for myself, that's a lot of what motivates me to do this work. Uh, plus I get to drive really cool cars. yeah i I think that that's what alex and i like the most too
0: is that you know we get to drive such cool cars and educate about electric vehicles but at the end of the day it's also doing good it's not like you know you still get to experience what performance is but you're also still helping the environment you're still educating people and you're making a difference and to
2: me it's almost like the perfect combination (laughs) yeah absolutely i I love finding those kind of win-wins all around right like you're doing the right thing you're doing fun things Uh, I mean, for National Drive Electric Week uh, two years ago, I I took my family to test drive EVs and then took a bunch of adorable pictures of my, at the time, (laughs) she was, you know, like less than a year old, maybe she was a little over a year old. Sitting in the driver's seat of a car, holding the steering wheel, and kind of looking at me like, "Dad, what am I doing?" Um, so, you know, it's it, it's a fun thing that that uh, that I get to do, and I can bring my family into it. And so, yeah, it's great. So, what would you say on the
1: the policy side? Because you mentioned you have a background in politics, and kind of on that side of things, what do you feel like is the biggest hurdle right now for increasing EV adoption on the on the political side?
2: That's a good question. You know, like so many. Parts of this work. There are a lot of different pieces to it. Um, you know, we uh, we're at about twenty eight and a half thousand registered EVs um, in Ohio right now, according to the most recent data that I've seen from the BMV. And if you look at the uh, the kind of month over month adoption and registration numbers compared to previous years, the numbers are going up dramatically. It's in Ohio. wild, yeah. We do we we do have some concerns about the registration fee in Ohio holding back adoption here, um, especially compared to surrounding states. Um, you know, it when you're paying two hundred dollars a year, uh, especially as we're looking to get this more more and more mass market. You know, um, maybe for somebody buying a you know a super expensive car, that's not as burdensome. But when you're looking at like a used Boulder Leaf for 11, 12, $15,000, mm-hmm. $200 a year. And, and you're somebody who just needs it to like get to work and mm-hmm. um, $200 a year starts to really wipe out some of the economic benefit of getting an EV. So, so that's problematic, you know, and then on the other hand, because so much of this is around just getting people the experience of EVs, it's really important that there be support, there be kind of Tools, technologies that uh, policies that encourage talking about them, that encourage promotion of them, um, you know. And so, I mean, what we've seen is that EV adoption follows policy, mm. um, and EV production follows adoption. I mean, that's why uh, you know th- there's so much EV production happening in Europe, happening in China because um, they have supportive policies. And I um, mean, you know, I mean for Ohio being. Uh, and an auto manufacturing state, we're the number two state in the country when it comes to providing parts and vehicles. Wow. Um, you know, this is where the industry's going. I mean, that, that you know, I was talking to, to somebody a few weeks ago, and we were talking about some policy that we're working on. And they said, well, you know, th- this is all good, but I don't want to pick winners and losers. The winners have already been picked industry pick the winners, mm. you know, they're investing, uh, I think the most recent number I saw I've seen is uh, they're investing close to $500 billion over the next 10 between now and 2030 less than 10 wow. years, that's incredible. Um, in shifting production to EV manufacturing, the auto manufacturers are doing that. And, and, and they, you know, they have to plan on a pretty significant time scale. And so they're making decisions right now about where those factories. are.
1: In. Yeah,
2: it's really important that uh, if we want to you know, continue to have a really robust auto, you know, auto manufacturing sector in this country, and if we want to build on that, that we have policies that are supportive of EV adoption and production. Uh, so th- there's a lot of different policy pieces to it. Uh, Definitely, that, that was yeah. a very long-winded answer to a <laughs> no, question. question. Um, but uh, but there's you know there's a lot that goes into it. Definitely.
0: Brendan, I actually have a uh, question regarding another hurdle that um, at least I'm seeing from comments like on Facebook and some on Twitter with the infrastructure, not necessarily like the utilities, but like the charging station availability with the amount of electric cars, or at least manufacturers going towards
2: electric vehicles. How do you feel that that could be addressed? Yeah, so charging infrastructure, companies that, that put out charging infrastructure are doing fantastic work. Um, you know that we work with a lot of them, green Lots, charge point, um, you know, blink charging, um, a, a whole, you know, the clipper creek. there's a there's a lot of great companies out there that yeah. are really trying to fill this uh, this you know need in the market. Um, th- this kind of because, as you said, charging infrastructure is one of the main barriers to adoption, not because it's necessarily not out there. I mean, at this point, anybody that owns an EV is generally able to find charging without a problem. Multifamily housing being one exception to that. And then to some extent, occasionally reliability of chargers being active. Um, Mm -hmm. That that can certainly be an issue um, that's important to address. But um, just in terms of getting the chargers out there there are a lot of folks that can help with that. Utilities play uh, a great role with that. Um, we've had a couple of strong utility programs in Ohio uh, with, with more that are, that are coming down. Um, AEP Ohio has been a real leader on this. Um, AES Ohio in the Dayton area has uh, is in the process of standing up a $5.1 million charging program. Wow. Um, Duke Energy Ohio has a $15 million proposal in front of the Public Utilities Commission for, for right now. First Energy is looking at doing this. We do a lot of work with electric co-ops and I I was talking to the government affairs director for the Rural Electric Co-op Association uh, the other two ago and he said that it seems like EV charging is becoming increasingly salient to rural electric co-ops on an almost daily basis. Wow. Um, You know, so every electric utility is very interested in this, Um, you know, and and that's another example of those win-wins where, uh, you know, where they get to sell more electrons.
1: Um, yep. they get you
2: know, they get to take more efficient use of the utility infrastructure they have because you can uh, you know, EVs can charge basically any time of the day or night and so they can charge when most people aren't using the the grid aren't drawing exactly. uh, energy off the grid um, you know but then it also is the right thing to do so so you know electric utilities have an important role to play I think government has an important role to play in this um, as the market is in the process of getting, um you know getting set up and getting settled i mean ultimately um, the ideal is for people to want to buy chargers and companies to provide them and there not to be much need for kind of government or uh, or utility involvement but right now to bridge the gap between where we are and where we need to be um, it's important that that some of those larger players provide resources for Mm -hmm. charging Mm. Uh, for charging infrastructure, you know, pr- uh, particularly in use cases that are not moving as fast toward uh, toward this, you know, if you're just looking at like in-home charging, people can get that figured out themselves. Yeah, you know, if, if you have a single-family home, you probably don't need an incentive. Um, you might need an incentive to enroll in like a program, you know, incentivized to to shift your charging to times when people aren't using the electric grid so much. But where where we where incentives. Either utilities or government or, or other players can be really helpful. Are in, with multifamily housing, with rural uh, applications um, that that's that's really important. There's some u- there's some unique uh, issues around utility infrastructure in rural areas, and then urban uh, intra-city charging to support the electrification of transportation network companies like. Uber and Lyft and those folks—that's mm. another area that that uh, we think is important to incentivize. So there are uh, some specific use cases that are really helpful. Fast charging for corridors is another one that, that's uh, that's important to have some incentives. You know, but but it, it, it's it's really become a I think at this point more of a sophisticated issue where you have to kind of look at specific use cases and figure out where does the charging need to go and mm. where do you need incentives. To actually get people to put charging in.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I guess this is might be a little non-policy, but I guess it could be at the same time, might be more on the federal side. But do you foresee any kind of policy being enacted where we need to have a consistent charging experience across chargers? Because I know I've noticed that just being an EV driver, that every charging station is a little bit different. Every company's doing it slightly different. Do you foresee any kind of like I don't know if it would be called a mandate or like a, (laughs) like a law in place that says, all right, you need to activate using this standard so that everybody has a consistent way. We need a consistent plug type cars need to have this plug on them. Anything like that?
2: I have a hard time seeing that coming out of the, uh, the federal government right now. And, and it may not be necessary. Uh, you know, I mean that there's been a growing trend among the charging network providers um to um, closer to standardization and mm-hmm. um you see that with the phase out of the uh plug type and and folks uh, allowing charging on each other's networks and
1: yeah
2: um you know and i mean all, generally speaking the charging companies understand that the easier this is for the users the more people are going to use their charging and exactly. and so if, even if they're making it easier to charge on someone else's network ultimately that's going to lead to more charging for them because more people are going to find it to be a seamless frictionless experience and so more people are going to buy evs and that's good for everybody Mm -hmm. so so i i mean i think that um organizing among industry players is is likely to be a more fruitful route to go than pursuing some kind of uh federal policy
1: yeah I got you. Uh, When you've been interfacing with, you mentioned like a ton of different people from utilities to to dealerships and stuff like that. Have you seen any sort of pushback from some some different sectors of like not wanting to switch to electric, or do you do you feel like that's changed in recent years, where a lot of people are have woken up to the idea and are excited about it? So you do get
2: some holdouts, um, but you know, I mean, the utilities in Ohio are largely largely Mm -hmm. get it. Yeah. You know, they understand that this is coming. They understand that it has the potential to be really good for them. They understand that it has the potential to be really good for their customers. Part of what we do as an organization is we provide um, kind of really data-driven, outcomes-focused analysis around the deployment of alternative fuels vehicles. And so, what, what that, that 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 was a lot of jargon. But um, <laughs> what that means is we help people understand how to make this technology work for them yeah we have to understand how it can be cheaper, how it can be easier uh, how it can make their lives better and so so you know I mean you'll have a a fleet manager who you know is just trying to keep their vehicles running and make sure that their the needs of their organization are met and we can come in and say, well here's how you can do this in a way that uh, that saves you you know saves you money and uh, and you know m- cuts down on your maintenance costs and um, you know, and so, so that's the role that we play. We do a lot of that kind of education.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: you know, and, and it's, it's not from one of the things that I really appreciate about Clean Fields Ohio is none of this is ideological. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, there, there's no, um, you have to do X, Y, and Z regardless of the cost. It's let's crunch the numbers, figure out what's going to work for you, yeah. figure out what's on, what's on the market. And, you know, and then we'll hold your hand and work with you and help you create a plan to uh, more effectively to to effectively use the technology we're recommending. Um, You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna come in and say, well, you need to, you know, electrify vehicles that are gonna blow out your budget, because Mm -hmm. everybody operates under budget constraints. (laughs) Um, You know, we are going to come in and say, these vehicles make sense to electrify, and here's the money you'll save, and and then also here and here's the environmental impact uh, that you'll you'll have by switching, and you know it's it, it's about finding those win-wins. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the, there are certainly holdouts there are, but um, you know, increasingly people get it. I think that um, you know the the shift to mass market advertising from the car companies has been a huge help. I mean, when, when there's a commercial with Will Ferrell played during the Super Bowl, that's very different than the like hyper-targeted digital ads that I was getting two years ago because 75% of my Google searches were were mm. about EVs. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the car companies are all in on this. They're putting real dollars behind shifting their production lines. They're putting real dollars behind marketing and advertising. Um, and, you know, and, and then just the news stories about this are, uh, are also a big deal, you know? So I think that people increasingly get it and, uh, and that trend is only going to continue.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: I definitely think that that's the best way to approach the discussion is just to have a conversation. I, I think a lot of people tend to get confrontational when it comes to certain change. And if you're just simply providing information and having a very neutral educational conversation, that's at least things that I've seen with people changing mindset. You know, I have a lot of uh, petrol heads, if you want to consider them as friends. You know, people are really into combustion vehicles. And we have conversations about electric vehicles all the time. But it didn't start that way. It kind of transitioned into that. And it's been for the better. All of them are very accepting of that now and very supportive of, you know, an electric future. It's, It's a great approach. Do you have an EV, Brandon? Uh, I have two. Yeah, we okay. have. Nice. Yeah, we just bought an ID4, and uh, we have a Chevy Bolt that I am hoping to trade in for a Tesla one day. <laughs> <But> <laughs> that's the <We> plan.
2: <laughs> have you given them uh, the chance to drive your car?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My my husband is actually part of a racing group, so we take the cars to the race tracks, and we've driven over a thousand miles to different tracks and proved to them that you can do road trips in an electric car. And it just they're they're all impressed about it. They love going to dinner in the car, and yeah.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Like to have fun with them. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like uh, you know leaving them in your dust to show them yeah. that the yeah. <laughs> technology exactly. is real and, and here and uh, and better than what they have. So, and and, yep. and what what you said about just having those conversations. That's where um, I think the 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 drive electric chapters that we work with the EV owner and enthusiast chapters are such a mm-hmm. vital piece of this. I mean, there's nobody better. To persuade somebody to buy an EV, than somebody who's not really trying to persuade them, but is just talking about like, I'm a normal person. I take my kids to school. I go to work. I go to the grocery store, uh, and I do it in an EV. And here's how I do it. And you can take my car for a spin, so you can you can feel it yourself. And 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 just giving people that exposure, giving people the chance to have a conversation, ask the questions uh, about things that they're scared about you know mm-hmm. do you ever run out of battery on the road no cuz i plug into my garage i have a full battery every morning and i don't drive 200 plus miles a day yeah. because that's what batteries <laughs> can give you now exactly. you know or uh you know are you worried it's going to catch fire well there are more there are vastly more uh gas cars that catch on fire than evs uh you know every every year so um you know is is, is this a is it affordable absolutely it's affordable um you know is my are my options uh, a luxury car or a golf cart? No, there are a host of options in between those two. <laughs> yeah. um, can I get a pickup truck? Next year you can get a pickup truck. You know? So, uh, I mean, the, the, at this point, every basically every concern that people have can be addressed, or we're within one to two years of addressing. Um, yeah. I'm really excited about the eight or nine electric pickup truck models oh that are going to hit year yeah. the, the market yeah. in the next year or two. Yeah. Um, that's gonna be a total game changer.
0: Definitely. Oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I heard uh, Rivian is actually starting deliveries next month.
2: Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's so exciting. That's what one I'm excited for. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, and then the I mean the, the F the Ford F one fifty is the I believe it's the best selling vehicle in America. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for like 30 something years straight i think like it's been a long time
2: (laughs) and and ford is prioritizing i mean all all these automakers are dealing with a chip shortage right now and i believe ford is prioritizing putting the computer chips they have into their electric f-150s because they understand that this is the direction it's going they understand that you know if if the pickup truck market is the biggest market segment in america whoever gets to electrify it first is going to be really well set up for for their uh, their company's future. And so they're aggressively making a play for that. And that's awesome. I want all of these automakers aggressively making a play for electric market share. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Were you all involved with the the Smart Columbus ride and drive events, or was that a whole separate thing?
2: So, yeah, Queenfields, Ohio, worked uh, pretty closely with Smart Columbus. Um, okay. We, you know, we, um, you know in, a, in a whole bunch of different ways. I mean, the, their, their ride and drive program was... Largely, um, you know, done by them in house, and I gotcha. Um, th- they had a very different model than we did, which actually was was r- r- really complementary. Um, they had a highly produced, um, you know, paid program, and it's I think it's to date the largest ride and drive program in the country. They did like twelve thousand test drives, yeah, in just a, a couple years. Um, <laughs> wow. But be- because yeah, right. Um, I mean, and, and they, they, that. Single-handedly, like change the face of EV adoption in Central Ohio, and and hats off to them for for the amazing work they did because they had a paid ride and drive model.
1: And by paid, do you mean do you mean people or like site hosts had to
2: pay them to come and host their vehicles? Or what no, do you mean by they paid? Um, like they had like paid staff. Who, oh, who gotcha. The events, okay. and, and yeah, sorry. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's uh what I meant by that. So be, because they had just a higher um, level of cost per event. They had to have a, a certain floor on the number of test drives that they were going to get per event, which yeah, makes so. sense. Um, and I think that they set that floor at 100. And so you know, they, they were working with all the biggest employers in, in the region. They were working you know, with uh, they had a, a strong presence at different festivals and things like that. And so they were able, and, and they did more than 12,000 test drives. So clearly what they did was working. Um, <laughs> and because they were a very prominent, visible presence in the community, people reach out to them and say, hey, can you do a test drive with me? And they unfortunately had to say no if the number of drives fell under that threshold. Well, because we uh, work with the Drive Electric chapters, we have, you know, we have a lot of volunteers who bring their own vehicles. We, we have a very low operating cost. And so for, for our events, um, we can do that very, very efficiently. And that means that we don't have to have a floor number of drives. And so, you know, so we, we've done very large ride and drives. where we've had well over 100 uh, test drives happen. Um, but we've also done, you know, ride and drive events that you can't see me doing air quotes because we on audio. Um, <laughs> we, we've done, you know, ride and drives where it's like one car in someone's driveway where a person invites two of their neighbors in. I got you. Um, you know, we we can do uh, you know kind of the full range of events like that, and so um, you know, and so Smart Columbus, you know, when they would get these requests, would say, well, we can't do it, but you should talk to to Clean Fields, Ohio, mm-hmm. um, and and so we we had a you know, and, and that's just one example of many ways that we had a great kind of partnership and working relationship with them. So we we worked with them, and and they're fantastic, and um, I really like all those folks.
0: Brendan, I do have a question as a Clevelander um it seems like (laughs) columbus at least from my experience always get the gets the you know the cool events and the you know the drive electric events we do have a really good group up here of like ev enthusiasts but i've always wondered how could we make the group up here
2: more involved with like groups like columbus there are some initiatives that are happening in northeast ohio that are um i think going to really start to help Take, you know things take off there. Um, you know the, the Northeast, Ohio, Northeast Ohio Area Wide Coordinating Agency, um, or NOACA. Much easier to say NOACA, but I don't know that people would necessarily know what I meant if I said that. But yes, yeah, so NOACA um, is in the process of rolling out a three million dollar charging infrastructure program uh, in their five county footprint, kind of in the Cleveland metro area. Three million dollars of charging is going to. That, that's going to make a difference. People are going to know. Oh, that. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and they're, uh, they're leading the way on using uh, certain type of federal dollars to do this kind of charging program. And we're actually, Trying to work with other metropolitan planning organizations around the state to do something similar to what NOAC is doing. We appreciate their leadership on this. So I think that that having you know, increasingly those those kinds of efforts, those kinds of programs, that, that really helps gin up a lot of interest, create a lot of conversation, mm-hmm. that then makes the work of the EV owners chapter a lot easier. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure that uh, that Michael Peters, who is the mm-hmm. leader of the Drive Electric Northeast Ohio chapter. Um, He's also the CEO of Sway Mobility, which is a fantastic yep. company in this space. He, he um, I'm sure that Michael Peters. For me. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> sure. Um, I'm sure that Michael Peters would love to have, um, you know, kind of everything that, that we've had in Central Ohio, like with, yeah. with Smart Columbus and, and the massive corporate buy in and the massive local government buy in. and And we are working with him to try and create some of that. You know, the Greater Cleveland Partnership. Um, is really interested in, in this stuff. I think Nicole Sticker there is, is a great partner. Uh, Mike Foley, the Cuyahoga County um, Sustainability Director, is a fantastic partner. Um, there, there are a lot of folks that are doing really good work in Northeast Ohio. And some of this is just, um, you know, when does it catch fire? You know I mean? They, every, every overnight success worked on this for 10 or 15 years before they became began. Exactly. success, right. And yeah. so, I um, mean, yeah. there are a lot of fantastic people in the Cleveland area that are working really hard on this. Um, and at some point it, it just, you know, a, a switch flips and, and it catches fire. But, but until then it takes people like, like Michael Peters and Mike Foley and Nicole and, and others, um, to keep, uh, to keep on, uh, saying this is good this is good for our region this is good for businesses and good for local governments and good for individual car owners and how do we do more of this and uh, so uh yeah it it'll happen I
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely something I've been pushing for up here with the group too with being involved more with Michael Peters and and the rest of the chapter up here. So, I just I well, thoroughly enjoyed the Yeah, of course. I thoroughly enjoyed the event in Kenton and, you know, I I loved working with everybody from Drive Electric Columbus. So, um I was actually talking with Alex we should do a, a massive Ohio meetup somewhere and just get definitely. all the chapters together once things clear up with, you know, with the pandemic.
2: Yeah. I <laughs> I love it. We, um, <laughs> we, we just brought on a new um, outreach and organizing manager. Her name is Mishita Johnson and she has a fantastic background in, um, issue and, and community and political organizing. And, um, and so I think that that's the kind of thing that she would be very interested in, in putting together. And so, um, we, we'd love to, we'd love to do that
1: for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah we'll be have great. to set something up. <laughs> so I know you got to hop off soon. Um, Do you want to give, I guess, some people some advice of how they can get involved in either their local groups if they own an EV, but also if they're interested in EVs, where they can find you guys or where they can find their local drive electric chapter, I guess, in their area? I know a majority of our audience is in Ohio, so this is going to be applicable to them, but we do have some some surrounding states as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, our website is cleanfuelsohio.org. Um, clean, like not dirty, fuels, plural, Ohio, the state.org. Um, and, and you can uh, reach out to us through there. Um, there. we So we right now there are seven chapters, uh, seven drive electric chapters in Ohio. Um, Northeast Ohio, kind of Cleveland, Akron, and then Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton, uh, Athens, Mansfield, Northwest Ohio, kind of the Toledo, Bowling Green, Perrysburg area, um, and let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, okay, I named, I named all seven. Um, so so that that's where we have the chapters right now. Um, they can email Vashida um, if they want to get involved. Um, her email address is Vashida, V as in Victor, A-S-H-I-T-T-A at cleanfuelsohio.org. Um, and she can help get folks connected to their Drive Electric chapter. And and if you, if folks live in a part of the state where um they don't have a drive electric chapter currently we'd love to work with you to start one um, awesome. you know we have folks all over the state but um but we don't have universal coverage yeah. um and you know really it just takes one excited ev owner and at this point basically all ev owners are passionate about owning <laughs> evs so Uh, you know, an an EV and a a little bit of passion, and uh, and you can get a Drive Electric chapter started in your area. So, and and then there's a pretty strong social media presence as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a Drive Electric Ohio Twitter, Drive Electric Ohio Facebook, and then all the chapters have their own social media too. So, um, there's a lot of ways to find us and, uh, we'd love to, to get folks involved in the chapter in the area or help start a chapter. If there isn't
1: one, we'll have all that linked down in the show notes too. So you don't have to just type it in manually. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. If you weren't taking
2: notes, sorry, folks.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much again for being on and, uh, we'll talk to everybody in the next episode.